0: the bias, the lies, and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation, all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday.
1: Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. I'm Ed Huglin, in for Malcolm, so let's get right to it. Each day we listen to the news and can be overwhelmed with the details on many stories. In today's program, we'll take a step back from the rush of the daily news and take a more strategic perspective on three very important issues. We can get lost in the fog of the daily chaos and forget to look at the broader picture of what's coming our way. An old saying, prior preparation prevents pretty poor performance applies here. Our conservative candidates are playing the short game on the short bus, while the radical left has a well thought out strategy, plan and implements it methodically as they drive others to react to their efforts. If you're only reacting, you're losing. So the key question is, are we ready or are we sunk for 2024? Today we'll be joined by Rob and D.W. Wilbur to discuss two critical issues. First, about the upcoming 2024 elections. What are the policies, plans and preparation for the election 2024? And second, we'll discuss China and ask why, why are we bowing to China? Then we'll turn to Nurse Mitchell and talk about child sex trafficking with a focus on the movie Sound of Freedom, why it's being pilloried by the mainstream media and why it all of a sudden is QAnon being raised as an issue by the left, and how all of this may relate to the Biden's board policy and broader issues dealing with pedophiles. It's all next on Viewpoint this Sunday. We tend to get buried in the day-to-day and forget that one needs to proactive strategy, a proactive planning, policy, and preparation. The left tends to eat our lunch every day in every election in this regard. So let's focus on that as we speak to Rob and D.W. Wilbur on whether we are prepared for 2024. So let's get to it. Rob is the founder of a multicultural conservative foundation whose mission is to promote the political diversity of conservatism through social media. He is the author of the self-help book, That Job Just Isn't Into You, Starting Over When It's Over. And he's a regular on America Out Loud, the Rob and Andrew Show. So Rob, let's turn to you first to answer the question, are Trump, DeSantis and others playing normal politics? Are they ready for the blood sport or are they
2: sunk? Rob, over to you. Well, thank you for having me on the program today. That's a really important question and it's one that I talk about all the time on my show After Dark with Rob and Andrew. I will say this, Trump is ready and capable, I don't think that the other GOP candidates are aware of the storm that's about to hit them. Because if they were, they would be out denouncing the political persecution. I did not say prosecution, but persecution of a former president just to keep him from making America great again.
1: Well, so, Rob, let me challenge you on a little bit. So Trump has shown he has a demonstrated capability to get things done. He's very uh, proactive in his administration, and he's very good at driving others to react to his efforts. However, it doesn't appear from at least my observations that he really understands that this is a blood sport, not just normal politics, in that when he's been asked the questions in recent interviews during this last week, is whether he took care of the deep state or not, his answer was yes. So how can he say that? And given the effects of 2016 and 2020 and the ongoing multi-multi lawsuits and, 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 and indictments, do you really think he's prepared for this?
2: I do. I think he's prepared. I think he's prepared as anyone could be within the GOP. I want to take that back and I say as well as anyone could be, I don't think that any of the other candidates would be able to stand as tall as Trump is and to take this. One, he's independently wealthy, so he will be able to hire attorneys to represent him, to get the legal representation. Now, to your point, that when the question was put to him, did he take care of the deep state? He exposed the deep state. Many people felt that the deep state did not exist. He exposed the deep state on the left and the right, we now see that there are rhinos working with the left to stop him. We have GOP members right now that are saying, oh, yeah, we're behind Trump. Lindsey Graham, I don't trust him at all. And there are so many others people refer to. They'll come out and say, well, Bill Barr, he picked Bill Barr, Christopher Ray." They're all de-swampers. And the biggest deep swamper is Chris Christie, who, thanks to him, gave us Christopher Ray. We cannot be deceived by what's going on here. Yes, when Trump entered the White House, Trump wasn't as, he wasn't as familiar with politics as many of the others are because they are politicians. They're deep swampers. But now I think that his eyes are open and I think he's ready to battle. The only thing that needs to happen is that we need to get behind him and we can't falter because if we think, nothing against DeSantis, that DeSantis who almost lost his first election in Florida, had Trump not come in, can't happen. Trump is ready to fight. We've just got to stand tall and support him.
1: Okay, great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to DW, because in my opinion, I think Trump got bitch slapped in 2016 and 2020, and he finally realized that there is a deep state, where many of us have been talking about that for years. So let's, let's go over to DW here. DW is a former undercover employee of the Central Intelligence Agency, serving overseas in Eastern and Western Europe and Middle East. He currently does consulting work in counterterrorism and writes columns. He's also a regular on America Out Loud talk radio network. And he just published a recent article on AmericaOutloud.news on the edge of an abyss that's likely to come up in our discussions. DW, what are your thoughts on our Trump, DeSantis, you others know, playing normal politics? Or are they ready for this blood sport or are they sunk?
0: Well, first of all, let me uh, thank you for, for having me on and invite me to chat today. Uh, a, couple, a couple of things. First of all, it, it's certainly going to be an uphill battle because uh, Trump is not only competing against uh, whomever the Democrat nominee might be, that is, if Trump actually legitimately wins the nomination, but he's also going be, to be competing against a, a fair number of uh, people in his own party. Uh the the uh, uh, Rob left left one name off of the uh, the list of deep staters, who so I think is probably even more so than Chris Christie, and that's Mitch McConnell. Uh, I think Mitch McConnell is about as much of a snake uh, as you can uh, uh, you can you can think of when it comes to uh, uh, his relationship with Trump. Uh, Are you saying probably... he walks
1: and talks and slithers like a reptile?
0: Yeah, he slithers like a reptile, much like Lindsey uh, Lindsey Graham, but uh, but even more so. Uh, and I and I also would uh, you know respectfully disagree a little bit with uh, with the uh, previous comments. Uh, Trump did achieve quite a bit when he was president, but much of it was achieved through executive order and through deregulation, which are all temporary fixes to real problems this country has, and. You know, they lasted about five minutes into the Joe Biden administration. So one thing that Trump has to do w- is learn how to work with people. You know, he can't just stomp his feet and, uh, uh, you know, think that things are going to, you know, everybody's going to fall in line behind him and do what he says because that's what he wants. He's got to learn the the skill of negotiation. And I don't mean, you know, from his book, uh, uh, but the kind of talent that Ronald Reagan had. Ronald Reagan was able to achieve some great things because he was able to reach across the aisle and work with some people, even though maintaining his solid conservative credentials. You know, Trump Trump needed to 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 make amends for some of his initial comments that he made when he first came down the escalator. You know, I mean, that dug yes. a deep hole for him. And, you know, he never did recover from that. You know, Ronald Reagan was beat up by the Democrats and beat up by the news media as much as Trump ever was. But Reagan was able to invite Tip O'Neill over to the White House for a beer after work, you know, and, and develop a relationship, something Trump never tried to do. And that's where his his biggest fault, I think, is, is that he just simply was not willing to try to develop a relationship with those who opposed him.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that catches my my ears there is is, uh, you know, working with the Democrats. But but one of my concerns is the Democrat Party no longer exists. It's been taken over by a bunch of radical progressive leftists. But the point you raised, the point you raised is critical for the audience to understand here is the machine, the bureaucracy in the machine. Trump didn't understand nor his crew how the machine operated and therefore because they didn't understand that and have the right people on board they weren't able to then get the machine to work as they wanted and therefore he had to use executive orders so let's go on to a few other aspects here about how do they then drive the machine and congress and other things to get where we want in 2024 and what the heck is it that they're talking about so uh, back to you rob early voting what should be our plan for early voting the democrats have been valid harvesting here They've been early, early mail voting, and they've done a number of other shenanigans. So what's their strategy? Has any of the candidates laid this out, Rob?
2: No, none of them have laid it out. I was watching Trump the other day. The question was put to him about early voting that he defaulted back, defaulted back to that he doesn't trust it simply because a lot of the votes, when they early vote, they're thrown out. Now, eventually he came around somewhat typically and said, well, if you guys want to do it, you should do it. We need to do it. We have to do it. We have to play the game the way the Democrats are playing the game. We don't like it, but that's the name of the game. And if we don't play the game that way, we will lose. We will have a huge deficit come Election Day. We've got to encourage Republicans to get out there and vote, 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 vote early. Do not wait the day of because the day of you will have all types of shenanigans taking place, all kinds of things. Uh, voting sites falling down. The boot's not working. we got to do it A- early. Absolutely. Even if we're not comfortable with it, we've got to jump out there and we've got to do it.
1: Absolutely, because we can't do what the Democrats do is vote early and vote often. Okay, We're going to do it the legal way, but we need to vote early. And Your, your point, I think, on Trump is very important to highlight. What's Trump and the other candidates' position on that? And they ought to have that position by now. If they don't, they're in a losing position because this is a blood sport for absolute power. And the left takes no prisoners. So this is what concerns me about Trump and the other candidates right now. They don't have necessarily a plan. Let's let's turn to DW and get your thoughts on the same topic. Early voting, what should be our
0: plan? DW. Well, you know, I I come from the uh, the era of... uh, back when election day was election day that was it uh you had to register to vote uh proving your your citizenship and your identity uh a minimum of one month before the election day and i remember you know i was was younger at the time and i remember my parents actually were allowed off work for like four hours uh, or I, i believe it was Uh, You know, and they were working class people. My dad was a truck driver. My mom was a secretary, but they were able to take off work for for four hours to go, you know, to the uh, uh, polling place. And so in, in a sense, I miss those days because I think that the the elections were back then anyway, much better regulated and much better controlled. But certainly the point is is well taken that the Democrats will lie, cheat and steal their way to power any way they can so we have to beat them at their own game nowadays we have to be able to uh uh, push for voter id in every state because if you can get a, a identification to buy go to visit a liquor store or to fly on an airplane you have to have official government issued identification in order to be able to do those things so to me, it's just a huge lie when Democrats say that voter ID is, you know, uh, suppressing the vote or it's racist or whatever, because it's, it's a bunch of crap. That's the, that is the default that Democrats always go to is decrying racism and that, you know, that the Republicans are trying to, to, uh, uh, to suppress the vote. And we need to fight back on that. We need to call them out. And I mean, call them out every single day, uh, you know, and, and turn the ties on them.
1: No, absolutely. So <clears throat> the key question here is, you know, and you talk about this, so we'll bring this up in a minute, is what's the proper legislation? Okay, paper ballots, voter ID, et cetera. However, we'll come to that in a second, but right now we don't have the time to get new legislation in because we don't have the control of both houses and the presidency to get that done. But we have to have a plan for that. But what you raise about the left's comments about voter ID and stuff brings up the question, are we feeding off of the left's disinformation and propaganda? Or are we leading? Let me give you an example. You have some people in the Republican Party, and, and also I think it's being pushed by the Democrats, to put RFK Jr. on a ticket with Trump. I mean, what are people dreaming? What are they drinking? Are they living in Colorado or something? So, you know, since you want a former crackhead on your VP ticket, why not just wait till Hunter proves himself clean and put him on there with Trump? So, so, so uh, DW, since I got you in line, what you, what, what are you comments? Are we feeding off the left's disinformation or are we are leading by putting out facts and getting, dispelling these notions?
0: Well, I mean, it, it's, it's idiotic, you know, that, that, that suggestion that, uh, you know, that Trump should, should pick anybody uh, who is a, a flaming liberal. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what uh, Kennedy is. and uh, since the time of uh, uh, JFK, I mean the, the, uh, the Kennedy family has uh, has certainly been been uh, of the far liberal persuasion. Uh, JFK, I, I always argue that the JFK would probably be a uh, considered a moderate Republican nowadays uh, based on his on his record and his you know his uh, uh, his short presidency anyway. Uh, but but no, we, you know, you're you're absolutely correct in, in saying that that we allow the Democrats to set the tone and set the agenda. And, and Republicans need to grow a set and start taking the lead, which we have not been doing. Absolutely. We've allowed the- <clears throat> absolutely. Let me
1: turn to Rob on that same question. Rob, are we feeding off the left's disinformation and propaganda? As Dale pointed out, they're driving us to react or, or are we leading and what should we do to
2: be leading? Over to you, Rob. We're being reactionary. To even think, to even allow the Democrats to control the narrative by floating his name out there as a possible running mate is ridiculous. It is a recipe for disaster that goes back to Republicans not being able to control the narrative. They should have been out there loud and clear and say, absolutely not. Why would we want a liberal on the ticket? It's a recipe for disaster. It goes back to what DW was saying about voter suppression and voting early and saying that it's racist. It's ridiculous. And why Republicans stand by and not speak up and say anything? That's when we fall behind. We must control our own narrative, state our positions, and be prepared to act up on them as opposed to waiting for Democrats to come out. With their propaganda because they have the entire media organization supporting them. So that least we can do and say, this is where we stand, this is our narrative. Absolutely not. We would not even consider, we wouldn't even dream of it, we wouldn't even look at him. So
1: as we take a look at who's driving the narrative, a very appropriate point. You know, we sure as heck aren't on the conservative side. But we learn from Trump and we learn from Reagan that if you have a proactive policy agenda and you clearly define what that policies are, that that is the way to drive the American public to the voting stance. And you show that with the distinction of what the other side's policies have done and are impacting. So let's turn to legislation. What should be our priority legislation for 2024? in my opinion, the most critical thing we need to do for 2024 is kill the deep state. And how to do that? Overhaul our NASA security apparatus, which has been weaponized and politicized. It's an industrial age dinosaur that needs to be restructured culturally and organizationally. But Since, uh, Rob, we just had you, I'll just turn to you first in terms of your thoughts on what legislation do you think the candidates should be pushing? And why is it that the Heritage Foundation, the RNC, the Claremont Institute, all these organizations to get millions of dollars, and yet we have no freaking plan for the conservatives at this point in time. What are your thoughts, Rob?
2: You know, that's been a problem with the GOP for quite some time. We get into office, and then we're like, okay, what do we do? I agree. We have got to put forth legislation to get rid of the deep state. How do we do it? One of the things that I have been talking about on my show with After Dark with Robin and Andrew is that we need to move the nation capital from D.C. I know that is a huge overhaul. I know a lot of people saying that it's impossible. But as long as the capital is in D.C., liberal D.C., the swamp, nothing will ever get done. We might vote in a Republican, but the legacy crew that's still there, their mindset, their Democrats. And if we don't move the entire Capitol at once, because I know that's going to take be a huge lift, at least the FBI. I think Jim Jordan came out the other day and said, maybe we should entertain moving the FBI to Texas or to Florida or to Alabama. We have got to do it. And Republicans must jump on this and say, no, it's got to happen. Look at right, what so we, we have right now. Go ahead. Let me take that and turn that over
1: to uh, DW here, because... <clears throat> Coming from the agency, DW is an agency guy himself as well. You know, many people are focused on the FBI. But in 2016 and 2020, if you take a look at who was behind the overall efforts, in my opinion, it was the intelligence community plus the DOJ and stuff. So they have been very adept at getting people to focus on the other shiny objects. DW, we have uh, about five minutes left to go over both legislation and the China thing. What are your thoughts on what legislation we should be driving for 2024 to get the american people to the voting booths
0: well for one thing uh, and I, I i can't believe that uh, that it's escaped me but the some of the uh uh the, the legislation and that that were put in place following the 911 attacks opened the door to to a lot of abuses i think some of it in a sense were good because we were responding to a national emergency Uh, And I I can't think of the name of the uh, the big one that uh, that allowed us to eat the the, the intel community to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, be able to uh, respond to to 9-11. But those those uh, uh, that legislation no longer is necessary, I don't believe. I think that uh, what its intent was, was certainly uh, noble uh, because. So so what legislation
1: should we be pushing? That's the key question. What legislation should we be
0: pushing? Well, we need to to first of all, you know, get rid of that. Uh, you know, the one I'm trying to think of the name of the Patriot Act. That's what Patriot. I'm trying to think of. Yeah, yeah the okay. Patriot Act. Uh, yeah, we need to get rid of that. Uh, there does need to be something in place that's going to help uh, uh, the intel community do the job that's necessary because we live in a very dangerous world. We all we all know that. Yes. But there has to be some restrictions and uh, that that are put in place that. That and I don't mean just government oversight but uh anytime you get human beings uh involved in something uh you know and I I know from my experience with the agents in that uh, there's they're always looking for ways to get around you know uh what the rules are so yes, it has definitely. to be very iron it has to be very ironclad the rules have to be written they have to be followed uh and, and that's legislation I think that can be accomplished and I think it uh, it's it's certainly necessary. Uh, and it's something that, you know, that should be bipartisan, but I don't know if that word even exists anymore. So uh, it's going to be an uphill fight uh, to getting any legislation done. Honestly, with if Trump is uh, is elected president, he is going to have to reach out. Uh, to, when I say reach out, I don't mean just to Democrats. He's going to have to reach out to people in his own party oh, instead yeah. of calling them names so and let's, criticizing let's, them.
1: Let's move on to the next topic here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to China in just a second. But one of the things that, that I'd like the audience to consider here is the Democrats have a number of failed policies, almost like the gift from heaven. All you have to do is talk about them and talk about what the impacts are. From energy, border, and inflation and taxes, to race relations, to the woke military, the Supreme Court packing, what's going to happen if they get back in charge? The criminals are getting out of no-cash bail. They're raising the criminal age for youth. So they're destroying America with a war on terror through our cities. And what's interesting here, it's all in progressive cities. So if you think you're on the left and you're a Democrat, you're fine. They're eating you first. So let's t- talk about China. John Kerry. Janet Yellen, Tony blinking, Blinken, all went to China and were bowing to China. DW, since we had the line, let's go back to you. <clears throat> Why the heck are we begging and bowing to China? We got about uh, two minutes left. So about a
0: uh, minute each one and this one. Well, because uh, uh, that's what Democrats do. They bow to our enemies. You know, I, I'm from the Vietnam era. Uh, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, John Kerry should have been brought up on charges many years ago. He should never have been eligible to run for office, to, you know, to become a senator, much less come close to becoming the president of the United States. The guy is 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 absolutely a far leftist, which makes up the vast, overwhelmingly vast majority of the Democrat Party now. And, uh, you know, it, it is it's in their nature because they are leftists to be. Uh, subservient, in a sense, to you know, to to communist China. Uh, they certainly don't have, you know, the the uh, intestinal fortitude to challenge China. You yeah, know, no uh, challenge China's behavior. So no, no, you know, it's one of.
1: And so with ta- I got about thirty seconds left. Let me get Rob's opinion on this before we close out this segment. Rob,
2: we want access to China's market, plain and simple, and we're afraid to stand up and push back. Donald Trump called this out 30 years ago. If you go back and you look at some of his interviews, he cautioned us and he warned us about China. Plain and simple. They are afraid. They're looking at money. They're looking at power. And they don't want to stand up to communist China. That's it.
1: No, excellent, excellent summary there. You know, there's been 28,000 Chinese coming across the northern border in just the last fiscal year to this date here. We have a lot to worry about there. Rob, Rob, DW, it's been a great pleasure having you both on. Thank you for your time. For our listeners, please share the content back at the site and visit us at americaoutloud.news. We'll take a quick pause, more viewpoint in just a moment.
0: The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire.
3: Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
2: For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
1: Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll wanna make sure to add throat spray to your next order of CoFix Rx. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25.
0: America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
3: loud. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com.
1: Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. What a wonderful Sunday and what a wonderful set of topics we have today. But this next topic is going to be critically important. One of the most despicable and disturbing issues this is child sex trafficking. We've seen multiple prior cover-ups of abuse from predators like Jeffrey Epstein, the Olympic gymnastics coach. And the left seems to hide those people who do such abuse and others like Harvey Weinstein, and then apologize for them afterwards. We've also seen the rampant increase of this abuse given our open borders. With the handing over of several hundred thousand children to so-called sponsors, Sponsors, most of whom are not only not vetted, but they don't know who they are or actually where they are now. Today, we're honored to have Nurse Mitchell. She is a registered nurse for 35 years, now retired, high risk obstetrics nurse in domestic abuse, a lay counselor and advocate, turned social media influencer and avid patient advocate. She's a fireball. She's a regular on America Out Loud's all-nurse show called Nurses Out Loud. It plays on Thursdays. You can catch her there every Thursday, but you can also catch all the other nurses on that same program every weekday at 10 a.m. Nurse Mitchell, welcome. Let's start with the first question here. The Sound of Freedom is a blockbuster movie that sort of came out of nowhere. What I'd like to do is I understand you've seen the movie. Why don't you give our audience an overview of the movie and what you thought about it?
3: Yeah, when I heard that it was something that we needed to make sure to go to and I heard the reviews about it and watched the online video, I decided I was going to take a load of teenage boys with me and with my son and bring them to it. I was a little apprehensive, worrying about how much sexual content there might be in a movie like that. And my goal in doing so was I felt like teenage boys are definitely target audiences for the porn industry and that this might help them get in their head that the women that that are being solicited to them may be people like little girls and children that are doing these things against their will or very likely part of the trafficking industry so that they would recognize that whatever might be driving them toward porn, there is a face of pornography and it is the individual themselves and and to recognize that. So my apprehension was how much sexual content am I bringing these teenage boys to? And it was absolutely done with so much class there's probably only one scene that implies sexuality. And they they do lay a little girl about 10 years old on a bed and a, a dirty old man, you know, is basically at the foot yeah. of the bed and it's all implied. Nothing else is done, but it's understood what his intentions are. And um, the beauty of the movie is that there's a hero, of course, that is determined against all odds that he is going to do the right thing at risk of job, at risk of life to do it. And he was quite determined. They made one child really the subject of the movie, and by making one child, they kind of made you connect to just one father missing his daughter, who was solicited by the industry for modeling. So they used uh, the um, the Miss America, basically of that country. To she was a evil, wicked woman who uh, took young women to make them believe that, oh, your lovely little selves, who that's where your value is. That's the the lie that they were sold and have been lied to their hearts to make them believe that their their value was in their beauty, that those little girls were prey to a beautiful Miss America person who then literally captured them and sold them off to the most evil men of the world. So that is a, a small version of how it went down. And I'm happy to expand on it however you want.
1: No, so that's that's very great uh, layout overall. So it, it sounds like it's a very emotional film because of the tie-in to the victims and stuff, but also the the horrors of the child sex trafficking. You know, you talk about the porn industry and the victims. You know, every porn industry member in some way is a victim in this. And so I think, you know, it's a great idea to bring your sons to to help them understand that perspective. Did you get any feedback from any other other people in the movie? What was the reaction of the audience to the overall film?
3: Well, the first big surprise was that it was sold out and the movie theater was completely befuddled by the fact that people were lining up to get in to see this movie. And I said, well, did you mistakenly put it in a smaller one of your theaters? And they said, actually, we did put it in a medium one. We have a much larger one. We didn't expect it to perform this well. I said, but all these people I'm in line with said they bought tickets in advance, you know, so you do know. So there were people coming up that hadn't bought tickets wanting to get in that day, had not done advanced tickets. So when we got in, obviously it's packed and everybody, some people are even sitting with each other in their seats. And when the movie was over, there was an entire audience applause. And I've been in one or two other of these very meaningful moral-based movies that have promoted similarly among Christian communities and conservative communities and seen that happen before. And I, I loved it that it happened at this time as well. And then I went onto my social media platform that next day, because it was it opened on July fourth to do a live, let's talk about who all went and saw the movie yesterday. And everybody was clamoring to give their take on what they thought about the movie. You have a a decent large following on Instagram. And a lot of my followers I prompted for about a month leading up to it to go see it. And many of them did. And many of them had much to say.
1: So, so Go ahead.
3: All positive. Everybody was all positive. But Mm -hmm. now there's a lot of, you know, conspiracies kind of going around about, Um, negative about the Tim Ballard himself which I'm just not buying into every argument I hear is not credible to me so to me it was a a good movie meant for a good intention but a person that did critique it negatively said you know what are the action items that really come away with and we can talk about that later about what do you come away with however you like
1: no no that'd be great towards the end we definitely want to touch on that because we want the audience to understand is how can they help this cause. But before we get there, you know, you talked about the victims and the modeling industry and how different folks use that to lure kids in. But in today's society, we're seeing other parallels here in America from my perspective. And I'd like to get your take on it as a nurse. Is it You see the big push for transgenderism and allowing eight-year-old, six, eight, and 10-year-old boys and girls who can't vote who have no rights except for by their parents to get things at the hospital and stuff. And you see states like California pushing to then allow them to make gender transformation changes and, or remove the child from the parents. You also then have all these drag queen shows and readings going on where you have males flashing their genitalia and rear ends at young kids, you know, What's your perspective? My perspective. This is additional aspects that move towards child grooming, sexualization, pedophilia and child trafficking. What are your thoughts on that?
3: I am shocked with what I'm witnessing. I'm more than half of 100 years old, so it does. You know, I've been around enough to be able to say this was not the way things were when I was younger in my 20s and in my 30s. So you didn't hear about things like this. I have people that are very close to me who are homosexual and they are very much against what they're saying. They said, once upon a time, a pride event used to be something that just basically made them feel like it's not so bad to be who they are. But now they wouldn't even go to it at all because they're shocked themselves by what they're seeing inside of these festivals and these pride marches. So that's shocking. Um, I think also in my generation, we've watched the Larry Nasser cases go out where a, man, a doctor is um, molesting all these young girls throughout their entire American Olympics gymnastics trials. And he was doing it right in front of the children, right in front of the parents. And now he's um, getting his justice in in, in jail. But then we also have what the Boston Globe did, where they unveiled on their spotlight column the Catholic sex abuse scandal that not only happened in Boston, but they thought they were just exposing something that was just a local problem with one priest um, having hundreds of victims. They ended up finding out that the Catholic Church did not deal with these in a disciplined way, but moved them from county to state to other places in the world. And these um, priests, these men, these male priests, made victims literally all over the world in the millions. And we're talking about during the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And now these people who've been these victims of these horrible circumstances are all adults and very likely harmed in their minds as victims, no matter how, depending upon how vile of the experience it was, all sexual child abuse is vile, but there can be much more profound versions of it. And I think this movie is exposing just how, profound of a problem we have and how sinister it's gotten and the kind of people that crave this kind of, um, that have this kind of appetite are just, they're never, it's never satisfied. They just need more and more deviant forms of abuse to children all the way down to infancy. So this show just dealt with the 10 year old little girl and the about eight year old little brother that were praise of the predator. But to me what we're seeing everywhere is a general I had a daughter who was flashed in a public place right with me in a Walmart and it's considered wow. criminal to do something like that just for him to flash her. And the statistics are out there for those who follow true crime, that they know that men who are flashers evolve into rapists and murderers. So it's no minor deal to have any kind of criminal behavior that involves sexuality like that. So to have men on public streets walking around literally flashing legally makes no sense whatsoever.
1: Well, so, yeah. So that's a great point. So in the Larry Nasser thing, one of the things that comes to mind here. You know, not only the weaponization of the FBI, but in this case, multiple young ladies went forward and told the the authorities, and the FBI knew about this, and they did nothing. It was it's amazing that they they did nothing to help these girls out, but they knew about it. And when you talk about the Catholic Church, I, I was raised a Catholic. What astounds me here. When I get upset, I call out Catholics to vilify the current Pope and others who've been involved in covering this up. They disregard me and censure me or shut me off. But to your point, we have to bring this dirty little secret out in the open because it affects, as you pointed out, generation after generation of young people who then causes them multiple harms, not only sexually, but physically and mentally for the rest of their lives.
3: Yeah. As a person who works in the domestic abuse industry with people who are being harmed by their spouses, a a woman who is being destroyed by their spouse, people need to understand that these women are married to the most reprobate, darkest sides of our society because almost certainly they are men who out in society look like upstanding men. They're very successful in their careers. They may be preachers. They may be deacons. They may be in positions of authority, but when it comes behind closed doors, the people that they vowed to love, protect, honor, provide for the women who are going to bear their children and bring them into the world, this kind of man that would harm that particular woman or molest his own children are the darkest sinister people among us. So, one must question, there is stats out there that say that women who have been molested as children are more likely to get, have out of like pregnancies, have young pregnancies, be promiscuous at a young age and marry poorly, okay? So that means that they have been desensitized by child abuse in a yeah. way to sexuality that is gonna uh, disrupt and change and alter the way that they choose their partners. So then they end up in marriages and bearing children with broken, not broken, uh, destroying people. Broken women are picking destructive people um, that are in their lives. So it perpetuates the whole thing. And when you've got men in our society that we're winking at, like, oh, yeah, all boys watch, look at porn, all boys this. Once upon a time when my husband, who's 55 years old, was a teenage boy, if he wanted to access porn, he had to walk up like a man to a checkout counter and ask another man at the checkout counter to give him a Hustler magazine or a Playboy magazine and put some money down and get it. This generation, my boys can't even be on social media. I mean, I'm a woman, I'm solicited for porn. There's no way around it. They are coming after our families and our kids. So we're talking about the next generation of extremely risky, perverted young people going out who've seen who knows what. And, And I'm thankful for this movie because- Hopefully, it will put a face to the industry to say, "Yeah, you may be um, con- addicted to pornography. You are the problem. You, you are the one promoting it." Without and it didn't address that in the movie, I think to a fault. That the it, absent of the secret porn addict, there is no industry. If you don't have a secret porn addict, you don't have an industry. That's where the real problem is. Well, so
1: you raised a number of different issues there that I'd like to highlight and, and bring out a little bit. So. It doesn't matter your income status there's evil rich and there's evil poor but one thing that a lot of americans i think fail to understand is especially in the poor poor neighborhoods where you have people living below the poverty line where you have mama babies who perpetually just have kids white or black those women in those situations Face a much greater potential of harm, <clears throat> abuse, <clears throat> and other things, and people discount that. But that they, they, that that needs to be brought into the picture. You know, when I was looking at the Sound of Freedom, I looked at uh, a USA Today article, one of the one of the more non moderate uh, papers. But they they talked about this film was shot in twenty eighteen as Mexican investors and, and Mexican director, but Disney shelved it. Uh, until 2019, and then they finally just brought it out now. But what's interesting here, when you talk about Tim Bowden's conspiracies, is uh, in the article uh, from the uh, USA Today, it said in a largely positive review. Note: largely positive review. Variety, another great far-right magazine, of course. Uh, Owen Gilberman wrote. Let's assume that, like me, you're not a right-wing fundamentalist conspiracy theorist looking for a dark, faith-based suspense film. You needn't hold extreme beliefs to experience Sound of Freedom as a compelling movie that shines an authentic light on one of the most crucial criminal horrors of our time. One that Hollywood has mostly shied away from. What's interesting about this comment is you don't have to be a... Right wing fundamentalist conspiracy theorists, one or a faith based su- su- suspense film. So, here two things come out is instantly the left ties it to conspiracy and the far right and to God fearing people. So, they debase God, they undermine God, they do the transgender aspects, they push this crap of the Drake Queen shows and reading hours, stuff like that. And they come out with something like this that says, regardless of this, a compelling movie. So it's almost like a backhanded slap in terms of the movie. Now, of course, in this, this is where the Southern Poverty Law Center comes out, right, along with the mainstream media, and brings out the term QAnon. Okay, so I gotta ask, you know, I ask you, uh, what, what, what's your thought on QAnon being suddenly raised in its head? Now, you can turn it back to me anytime.
3: Yeah, I think that they're prepping for destroying Donald Trump in the media again by even bringing it up because we never had heard of it before Donald Trump. And as far, you know, I don't follow it deeply to see what all is QAnon is saying or things like that, but I'm not surprised ever if the left wants to make anyone that's on the right extreme. I do think that we play ball a little too nice. I think on Nurses Out Loud, talk radio, we all play ball. We, we say our theme song is, this is war. And we believe we're in a war and that we are in a battle literally for our future generations and that this generation who just came through this 2020, I mean, we came through the 2020 election and then we, you know, we had the uh, pandemic and we've exposed all of the darkness. We're trying to still expose all that is gone down during this time. And there is an attempt on the left side to make you into a lumped idiot that must be some follower of something. When I want to say the nurses and I I all are trying to bring, we bring science to the table and say that you can't argue with me, bring, bring some science to me to have an argument, but you know, you don't just get to name, call me and there's names to be called on the left and we need to make sure we're calling out what they are. You are covering up darkness, and you're part of a conspiracy yourself on the left, if you are part of not, not exposing what's happening to children in this country. So so we can turn the tables back. I think yes. the argument has to go backwards and call them the names, because it, it's a mass conspiracy to think that there are more slaves in the world today than there were during the era of what we call slavery. And oh, when men... Men in that generation that were the slave owners, and they were a minority of the American population at that time, and other people with less power didn't have much ability to do anything about it. And I try to remind people about that that it wasn't that they were winking at slavery or or, or permissive of it, but there. Thomas Jefferson's second his lover was his his dead wife's his dead wife's sister because his father had sex with his slaves. So we were having men taking advantage of women in uh, difficult situations throughout throughout time. And now the children are the easier prey right now, the poor children. Well, so what's
1: interesting there is a couple of things. First, uh, QAnon. So uh, being in the intelligence community for a number of years uh, and uh, during 2016, 2020 elections, this QAnon item came up and I, I worked over at the state department as an independent consultant for them for some time. And I dealt with disinformation and propaganda as well. And I continually ask these people who are raising the issue of QAnon, so exactly how many are they? Where are their websites? What are they doing? And I could never get an answer. <clears throat> so one of the things that I, I think they're bringing this back up from is the left has always needed and created boogeymen to scare people and to create some evil thing. Much like every dictatorship creates a boogeyman, the evil people for then other people to take attacks on. And so I loved it when you said, you know, we play ball too nice. And you say that we need to get, this is war, not not uh, not uh, not regular stuff. Well, that's exactly right from my standpoint. This is a blood sport between good and evil that's happening, and I call it the cognitive war. But it's very interesting you raise that. And so QAnon, people got to be watching what QAnon is. This is, I think, a boogeyman, again, being raised by the left. They then cover up, as you're saying, Nurse Mitchell, what's going on here? Because we've seen what's happened in Hollywood and such, you know, When we take a look at this calendar year, you had 100 in 2021, you had 138,917 unaccompanied minors. Of those, over 17,000 were released to distant relatives or non family sponsors. In 2022, 125,000 unaccompanied and over 18,000 were released to so called sponsors. So, this is a horrific, horrific uh, development that's happening here. And the Biden administration's Office of Refugee Resettlement and and the Health and Human Service, they don't have the means or capacity. They do not have the means or capacity to keep and hold all these different folks. So what what I'd like to go to next here is, with the open borders and what's happening here, is the Biden administration enabling child sex trafficking?
3: It does appear that way. And I would say that it's appalling to think that this is not, with how vicious they were with Trump's press secretary, I cannot imagine a press that actually is the press not being vicious about asking these kind of questions. So I've come to the conclusion that we the people are the press and the man on the street that's out there actually going down there to the border and showing the American people what's actually happening is actually our new American press. America Out Loud is a new American press and what people are doing and exposing actually is the significant news we need to hear. Because there is definitely something at the federal level that's going wrong. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to say the word there are sponsors that we're shipping all these kids to. We should be able to account for every single thing. As an adoptive mom who had to go through a living hell to get approved to actually adopt one child, that child could not be released into my care without being vetted, and there'd be evidence of being vetted. It's called a home study. I want to know that these sponsors, as they call them, have had a home study and they've been fully vetted and there's evidence of who these people are and we can all look their names up and they're on some kind of platform somewhere. And these kids can be found because that yes. that's illogical yes. covering this up.
1: Yeah. So you got tens of thousands of children released here and you'd have neither conservatives or Democrats calling for accountability of where they're at. So, so let's get, let's, let's take that a little bit further here. <clears throat> so what are your thoughts on what we've seen from the Bidens and mainstream media? not talking about just what you're talking about. For example, Hunter's laptop has had multiple pictures of him naked with many little girls. And then there's also the lack of the press's interest and even conservatives interest in the 800 pound gorilla sitting in the white house. When Biden's own daughter's diary, which people validated speaks about apparently validated speaks about inappropriate showers and being over-sexualized with her dad. I mean, how can it be that the press or no one is asking, Mr. President, are you and your son pedophiles? What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think that we're in such a generation that has neutralized the American people over the over my generation, and perhaps started in my parents' generation. Like I said, they're in their seventies neutralizing them to the whole sexuality topic. You know, there were things, parts of bodies that weren't allowed to be shown of women throughout history that are now, um, you know, exploited at all times in media. And we have such a every, there isn't a show that my kids can watch on a Netflix or something like that, that doesn't expose them to all forms of sexuality. So we've been we have a neutralized generation. we have a porn addicted generation. And I do believe it is a significant problem, let's say within the conservative um, world. And as a woman who works with domestic abuse victims, all of my victims are preachers, wives, deacons, wives, religious entities, wives, people in authority, public authority, wives. Yes, They are people that you all think are going to be the good guys, yes. but the good guys are corrupted in their minds and nobody's, the churches are not doing anything with these men. There's no penalty with like spotlight. Ex- yeah, there's no ex- accountability. There's no accountability. These men are not, they're not losing their wives. So mean, we got like, about,
1: we got about a minute left here in the program. I want to get a couple one other thing in here with you. So from your perspective, how can people get involved and help?
3: I think that confronting the pornography with your children and stop saying things like boys will be boys and sexualizing little children yourself. And how do you sexualize children that you don't realize you're sexualizing children? When you say to my little four-year-old son, "While you've got your little four-year-old girl beside it. Oh, isn't he cute? He'd be such a cute boyfriend. That is not what you say to little children they yes. are not sexual they have no interest in it they're not we have got to make sure that kids understand that if conversations get said in their schools if, if the word sex ever happens and you hear that at school you should come and report that to mommy you yes. need our we need to protect our kids from social media and we need to make sure that men that are significant that we know that are entertaining or are having addictions with pornography, it is seen as a pathology that is feeding this industry and that religious powers that are out there need to take ownership of yes. the responsibility of saying this within the pulpits because that's the conservative people. If the conservative people are corrupted, then who's going to fight for this battle? Nobody. Nobody's oh, going to fight
1: absolutely right. But well, you know, you're a true fireball and and I recommend people go listen to the nurses because if everyone else is like you, you're not gonna be disappointed that you get some good information. So all right, my friends, what a broadcast. Michelle, it's, it's been a real treat and a truly informative engagement with you on this critical topic. This is Ed Huglin, in for Malcolm. You can also hear me regularly as well on America Outlaw's talk radio network on the National Security Hour at 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night. Thanks for joining us on the mission. It's time to get involved and get out loud, America.